Well, once again, good morning. And a happy last Sunday after the Epiphany to you all. Believe it or not, we are almost to Lent, beginning this Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And during Lent, I, I have a practice that I like to do. And this has been going since I have been in seminary when we began it with myself and another seminarian. On Shrove Tuesday, we made sure our beards were nice and clean shaven which I haven't done in a while since the pandemic. <laughs> and then we would grow them out throughout the entirety of Lent, not touching them, not trimming them, just letting them grow. And men who have grown your beards, you might know this, but there comes a time when that beard begins to feel like a sackcloth. It becomes itchy and, and, and you get really hot and it's just, you want to get rid of it. But we would wait and each until Holy Week and each day of Holy Week, we would shave a different part of our facial hair, maybe the chin one day and then the cheeks the next day. And I once I had a nice rock and Fu Manchu. <laughs> I don't know if there's photographic evidence of that yet, and I'm trying to keep it away from <laughs> Facebook. And we'd shave each day until, until Easter Sunday when we would shave that last bit of facial hair off and we'd be clean shaven. Now I don't do the, each, the different days of um, shaving a different part of my face on Holy Week. I just shave it all off on Easter Sunday where I look completely different. But it's also, I'm free from that six weeks of growing an itchy, hot, burdensome beard. Although now after the pandemic, I'm getting used to it and I find it hard to shave it. Now, one side effect of doing this is my appearance drastically changed. Be it when I was in seminary and I would have a different look each day or on Easter morning when I would be completely clean shaven. Now, one Lent and one Easter Sunday, my over the Lent, my daughter really began liking my beard. She liked pulling on it. She liked seeing it. She thought I looked... Cool. Well, when I shaved my beard that Easter Sunday, she was not a happy camper. I think she started crying. My other daughter started laughing. I don't know how to take either one of those situations. She did not like, though, how I changed my appearance. It seems more and more in our culture. The motivation to change our appearance is prevalent. There is a strive to look different. Maybe it is a physical change with our hair, our clothing styles, our cosmetic surgery. Or it could be a change in how we act or behave. Perhaps to eat better and exercise. This past Friday, I went for my annual physical and I realized, oh no, I need to eat better and exercise. But either way, we seem to have this desire to change aspects of our lives. Now, some say this desire to change ourselves is bad, but some say that it's also good. And I think both is true. When we change for the better, that is good. When we try to look good, that is okay. But when we let it overtake us, then it can be a problem. Today is the last Sunday after the Epiphany. As I said, 
On this day, we read about the transfiguration of our Lord. Now, the actual feast day for the transfiguration is August the 6th. But this event, this transfiguration of our Lord is an important event to Christians and to our faith. In our lectionary, only three feasts can be celebrated on a Sunday if they fall on a Sunday. The transfiguration is one of those feasts. It is so important that the lectionary allows for it to be read twice in the year. The sixth on its feast day and the last Sunday after the epiphany, which is what we are reading today. It is important because we began the season of epiphany. Showing the divinity of Christ. His divinity revealed to the Magi. Then the first Sunday after the Epiphany, we hear the baptism of our Lord. We hear God telling the crowd and telling Jesus that he is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And we hear those same words or similar words today in our reading. This event is featured in all three synoptic gospels, that being Mark, Matthew and Luke. And some suggest it is alluded to in the prologue of John. Transfiguration account we heard today was from St. Mark's gospel. Mark, like Matthew and Luke, places only three of Jesus' disciples with him at this scene. He only took up James, John, and Peter. The reading begins by pointing out a specific time and place. The event in Mark and Matthew takes place six days after the previous sayings of Jesus. Luke, however, places it eight days. What we read today took place six days after Peter's proclamation of Jesus as the Messiah. When he showed he understood for that brief moment who Jesus was. After Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus told them not to tell anybody about that. In these passages preceding what we heard today, Peter both gets it and he doesn't get it, which leads to him not getting it once again in our in on that mountain. Immediately after he claimed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus told the disciples how he must go to Jerusalem to die. Peter rebukes Jesus. He does not want to hear these difficult things that Jesus is saying. And he tries to stop it. Here Peter, who just claimed Jesus was the Messiah, the son of the living God, who seemed to get it. Let his earthly thoughts and fears cloud him. He thought he knew what was best for Jesus. Instead of listening to what Jesus was saying. So Jesus strongly rebuked him. He followed that up with the familiar words that those who want to become his followers should deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow him daily. He continued that those who wish to save their lives will lose it. Those who lose their lives for his sake will save it. And this takes us to what we heard this morning, six days after those events. 
And the timing of this event seems to flow from that previous discourse. This idea of not seeing the divinity in Christ and letting our human emotions cloud God's working in our lives. As I said, Jesus takes or took just three of his disciples with him to the mountain. James, his brother John and Peter. This is Peter's chance to redeem himself. When they arrived at the top of the mountain Jesus transfigured before him. His face shone bright and his clothes became dazzling white. And to make things even greater, Moses and Elijah showed up on either side of Jesus and were there talking to him. This appearance has been suggested to represent the law and the prophets. Our figures that ascended into heaven are figures who were rejected at times by the people. Or even figures that were expected to return. Whatever the reason. We have two of the greatest prophets. There with Jesus. Who both were rejected by the people. Like Jesus was about to be. Seeing this Peter immediately let his earthly views get in the way. With, he couldn't think of what to say. And I'm going to be honest. If I saw this I wouldn't be able to think of what to say. I would probably be caught up in the emotions of this situation. He offered up three dwellings on the mountain for Jesus, Moses and Elijah. That is obviously what they needed. Peter thought. And just as soon as saying it, he was interrupted by the next dramatic event. A bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And this, just as soon as it began, it ended. There on the mountain, once more, it was just Jesus and his disciples standing there. But Jesus ordering them not to tell anybody about what they saw. I don't think I could do that. Here is an event where Christ's appearance changed before him. And in that appearance and in that event, we saw what his mission would look like. A mission that would foreshadow his rejection by the people, but also showed the glory to which that mission would bring. This all followed Jesus telling his followers what following him looks like and costs. I would say we can use this event, this transfiguration and apply it to our lives. To live out our own transfigurations. The transfiguration of being a follower of Christ. Of being identified as a Christ follower. In the world where we need to see Christ. To put aside our earthly blinders and truly listen to and trust God. The word transfigure means to transform into something more beautiful and or elevated. We too can transfigure our lives. We can change into something beautiful to bring about the kingdom. To bring about the glory of God here on earth. Let us find ways where we are no longer recognized as just us, but rather as Christ in us. 
be recognized as Christ's hands on earth, as his body on earth. Perhaps we can be recognized as Christ in our actions, in our love, in our faithfulness. When we provide food for those who do not have it, we are being transfigured. When we provide clothes to those who do not have clothes, when we clothe the naked, we are being transfigured. When we work to build up the community around us, lifting those up to find God, we are being transfigured. When we are doing this work, we are showing Christ in our actions to the world around us. But doing this work requires us to get out of our own ways from time to time. Just like Peter was required to get out of the way for a minute and let Jesus guide him. To stop thinking that we know what it is God wants or what it is God is telling us, but to truly stop and listen to him. It requires us to pick up our crosses, whatever those are, and follow Jesus. Follow him in living out the gospel. Follow him to the uncomfortable places. Following him wherever it is that he calls us to go. When we truly pick up our crosses and follow him, we become transfigured in his likeness. We begin to show Christ in our lives, in our actions, in our words. While our work may not bring about suffering that Christ went through, it can be difficult. We go through a different suffering, if you will. But let's face that head on. Because when we transfigure our lives to look more Christ-like, the glory of God far outweighs the present suffering. So let's change our appearance. Let us be unrecognizable as just ourselves, but rather Christ. Let our actions be recognized as Christ's actions. Let our words be recognized as Christ's words. Let us be recognized as Christ's body on earth here in this place. Let's show Christ in all that we do and all that we undertake. And then we can fully participate in kingdom building, in a culture, in a world that can use a facelift. Amen.